Hi, I'm Adam from Kansas City. I'm Dan Manchester from Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Hi, I'm Marie from Salt Lake City, Utah. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org, click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio On this Sound of Young America podcast, my guest is soul music legend Bill Withers. Before we get to the interview, let's hear a bit of one of his signature hits, Use Me. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the program, Bill Withers, is one of soul music's greatest singers and one of soul music's greatest songwriters. It's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for uh, thank you for doing it. Well, thank you. No problem. You, you grew up in um, uh, in West Virginia, uh, in a sort of coal mining region, and, and your dad was a coal miner. And I wonder if it was the sort of the sort of place where you were either a coal miner or you were leaving town, you know, when you were yeah, 19? Yeah, yeah. when you grew up, you you made that choice, you know. I made the choice to go in the Navy. The coal mines held no particular fascination for me. <laughs> <laughs> Was they, were, there, were there people for whom they held fascination? Some people, not a lot of people from my generation uh, or the people that I knew went in the coal mines because you saw what it did to your father, you know. I mean, uh, there was the black lung disease. There was just just the whole look and feel of it. And if you think you have other choices, you know, if I gave you two choices, okay, take this shovel and uh, dig a hole in the ground and go down in it or go do something else. <laughs> I'd probably take something else. Yeah, seems like at least even money. Yeah. Did you did you think about different ways? <laughs> did you think about different ways to get out of town, or or was the navy just the first thing that came along? Well, some people move to cities, you know, and they, um, you know, like New York and you know Dayton, Ohio, anywhere, you know, it was dangerous it's a dangerous place 
You know, it's the only place that I've ever been. I went back down in there later in life just to see what it was. It's the only place that's both wet and dusty. The two don't go together. No, sir. It's wet and dusty and, you know, you're, you're under the ground. You know, at, at the same time, it, the Navy isn't exactly uh, the promise of a danger-free life. No, but, uh, you know, I got a chance to go to aircraft mechanic school. I had, you know, I worked on airplanes. Uh, I wasn't flying in them. I don't know what could happen to me. I mean, you know, I could drop a wrench on my foot or something or walk into a propeller, but, you know, <laughs> I learned quickly how to avoid that, you know. You know, my uh, my dad was in the Navy just, just after you left, and... Um, uh, a friend of his was killed by a rope on the deck of an air ca- aircraft carrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those cables can break and they whip around and they can cut you in half. Or if you're not careful, you could become too comfortable and walk into a propeller or get sucked up into a jet engine. That That's life. You can, you can drink too much and uh, get excited about your new Porsche and go out on the Pacific Coast Highway and, and kill yourself. So there's a lot of ways to die. What we try to do is to lessen the probability of that event. Yeah, that's fair. You know what I, mean? I read an interview in which you said that that music really wasn't part of your life when you were in the service. Is that is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it wasn't. You know, were you th- were you thinking I mean, about where it? Where would it? you do it? What are you going to do? You're going to go play in one of those navy bands and go. <laughs> Let the it's record state sen- that you indicated falling it's asleep. It's not very sensual, you know. <laughs> but you could, uh, but you know, there there might be room for uh, for a guitar or a ukulele or or, or something like that. Yeah, was it, was it something that, that talent, you were? You know, but I didn't have that kind of. Uh, you know, I couldn't play a guitar or ukulele. And it's smaller than a guitar. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to suggest that you were a ukulele really get player. Really funky on the ukulele. <laughs> I'm surprised James Brown didn't have one in his band. <laughs> Ukulele, hit me. One, yeah. two. But but I did see a guy from Hawaii. Jimmy Buffett had a guy in his band for a while who could who made it a very interesting. He's like a virtuoso. I forget his name. But he is something. You know, so people can turn anything. What were your best memories of that time? What was the best part about that first, you know, t- Eight, nine years of your adult life? Being in the Navy? Yeah. Well, there was a certain validation uh, for me. At that time, uh, if you were black, um, you know, you you expect to be a steward or something. You know, the guys that serve the officers, you know, like you, you see in the movies and stuff. So there was a chance to prove yourself that you could uh, that you could do do technical things. I remember arriving in Pensacola, Florida, when I was 18 years old, and having to overcome the perception that you weren't smart enough to be an aircraft mechanic. I mean, what kind of genius does it take to change some spark plugs or something? So. The noble pursuit of trying to change perceptions, you see? Mm-hmm. You got to remember, uh, you know, there was the 60s, 
Do you see what's going on in uh, Iran now with the street stuff? Well, when I was young, that that was my reality if I went to Birmingham. <laughs> you know what I mean? You didn't have to go. You didn't, you know. You know, you didn't even need to go very far. That was my time in life where you were trying to change perceptions. When you got out of the Navy, you um, held a sort of a variety of, of regular guy type jobs, the kind of jobs that people hold when they get out of the service for a while. Um, when did it occur to you to become a musician? I knew from, you know, you you don't, when you have a talent like that, you know you have it when you're five years old. It's just getting to it. You know, it's getting around to it. first release, Just As I Am. You were about 30 when you made your first demos, right? Yeah, somewhere around, you know, uh, I, I mean, probably older than that, you know. Most people get over the hump thanks to the kind of heedless optimism of being a 19-year-old or or whatever, you know. They, they know they have this thing inside them, and, and the thing that gets them to get over the scary bits is just that they're you know, they just don't care because they're a teenager. Um, whereas you took that step when you were when you were a grown man. And that's why you're sitting here talking to me because I ain't most people. <laughs> <laughs> <Do you know? laughs> okay. How, how, how many most people do you g- go to the trouble? Yeah, I'm talking to. I'm giving you a hard time, but that's true. You see, I've been most people. I spent my. Uh, some part of my life as most people, into my 30s as most people. Once I transitioned out of that most people category and did something, you know, whatever it was, you know, uh, then a different set of rules apply. You, you watch football games? Sure. Okay, you figure on Sunday maybe there's 20, 40 million guys watching football games. A thousand of them think they could, or maybe ten thousand of them think that if they got the chance, they could play quarterback. Three of them probably could. 
So I was one of those guys that was, you know, living around, and I saw these, uh, you know, I think I could do that. Um, it's like becoming a Playboy centerfold. I have run into people who have expressed a desire to be in Playboy, who it's unfortunate because they just ain't that <laughs> cute, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so in in the process. In this big funnel, you got all these people. And it's hard to do, you know, to get into a business like this. First of all, you got to have the talent. And then you got to figure out the terrain, you know. What's the path to it? I'm from Slab Fork, West Virginia, so I managed to figure this out. And, you know, through some luck and some and some conniving or whatever. The question you get asked most often is, how'd you get started? You know, if if I knew how to write the book on how to get into show business, I wouldn't have time to talk to you. I'd be too busy working on my book because <laughs> I could sell a lot of books. Was there a point when you felt like you had made it through that funnel and that you were uh, achieving this thing that you had kind of convinced yourself that you were capable of achieving? Was it when you made your first record, had your first show? You know one of the funniest analogies I've ever heard? This guy was talking about, uh, he had a blind friend. And he became very angry with the blind friend. And he says, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to kick his... uh, And the guy says, you can't do that. He's blind. He says, oh, he'll know because I'm going to tell him who's kicking his. (laughs) So when when that happens, you know it. You know, they let you know. It's not like you could have a hit record and you don't know about it. You know, you need some epiphany for somebody to tell you, hey, man, you've broken through. You know what I mean? It's like. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away Wonder this time where she's gone Wonder if she's gone to stay Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away How did it compare to what you had built up in your mind how it was going to be like? When it happened? I mean, your your first record was a was a big hit. And it was a tiny record. Like, it was a record that I, I read you made it in nine hours of recording time. You mean the album or the... The first, the first album. Yeah, something like that. Um, and, but the first album had a, a couple of huge hit singles on it. And, um, and, you know, so it's this tiny thing that really worked out the way that you would hope that it would work out. Yeah. And I wonder, how did, the, how did the actual experience of having a hit record, being a famous musician, compare to your idea of what it would be like? There's a gratitude. Oh, man, finally something that I thought I could do worked out. 
because there was a lot of stuff that you thought you could do that didn't happen, you know. You know, when when you, you didn't make the football team or uh, the girl you thought was flirting with you, you know, really had something in her eye <laughs> or, um, you know, uh, coming from where I come from, you know, when you're a kid, you think you can jump across this creek and you miscalculate and then you got to go home and change, you know, because you got mud and water all over you. So, you know, there's that thing. Then a lot of things change socially, you know what I mean? I mean there's a business reality to it. You find out that there's some pretty, you know, there's some pretty, pretty mean people in this business. Bullets look better, I must say. It's the sound of young America, and I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is soul music legend Bill Withers. We'll have more with Bill in just a minute when we come back. Production of the sound of young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com. Are you or is your business interested in reaching the sound of young America's awesome audience? Via podcast, radio, and the World Wide Web, The Sound of Young America can connect you with the only people that matter, the awesome ones. Underwriting on The Sound of Young America reaches tens of thousands of clued-in listeners, and it supports the show, too. If you're interested in underwriting on The Sound of Young America, contact us directly at underwriting at MaximumFun.org. That's underwriting at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is soul legend Bill Withers. He's featured in the new documentary, Soul Power. 
Have you seen the Have you seen the movie yet? Yeah, I, I watched it on Friday, and w- one of the things that I was really amazed by in in watching you in the movie is that, you know, the first the first twenty five percent or third of the movie is you and all these amazing musicians, you know, getting on an airplane and, and heading to Zaire to do yeah. this concert. Yeah. It's you and and the Spinners and Celia Cruz and the Fania All Stars and you know they're uh, they're like playing claves on the airplane, and mm. you know it's it's really amazing. And and of course uh, James Brown and Muhammad Ali and Don King and all these people are on their way over there. No, they were already Muhammad. They were there. Well, they're, you're not so, on the same not on yeah, the same airplane, yeah, but everybody's. Yeah. It's sort of like this process of everybody going over there, and and everybody has this. Uh, everybody has a really different tone to this on this trip. Yeah. You know what I mean? And. Um, and there's like, you know, James Brown is, James Brown by that point had, had spent the last 15 years being, you know, one of America's greatest entertainers mm-hmm. and, and approached the whole thing like, now I'm the world's greatest entertainer. And, um, and you're, you're very quiet in, in the footage and you're almost like, look like you're just taking it in. And I wonder what it was, what it was like for you to be in this kind of crazy gaggle of brilliant performers going and doing something, you know, 10,000 miles from where you lived, what it felt like to be? Well, people have different approaches, you see. I think you approach things according to your personality. And uh, uh, James Brown's personality is different from mine. James Brown... (laughs) To say the least. James Brown's delivery was... Dancing and you know and and and, and it's fascinating. I mean, it's t- totally interesting. Mine was sitting on a stool with an acoustic guitar, you know. So that in itself would dictate the differences in the approach and the behavior. So that's that's just not my personality. You know what I mean? There's a scene where your eating looks like maybe lunch. Uh, and you're sitting between um, Muhammad Ali and Don King, <laughs> and yeah. I was I like it was it was the most amazing thing to see, and and all I could think is what it must be like uh, to be you sitting in between. And I'll I'll use a word that we'll have to bleep on the radio, but basically history's two greatest shit talkers, um, yeah, <laughs> and just kind of taking it all in. So I wonder what was it like. To be to be there with these with these guys who are just the amazing champions of bravado and be you know still Bill. It's entertaining, you know. It's entertaining because you know p- people pay a lot of money to see them, and you get them for free. <laughs> you get them in the rawest form, and it's just you know it's just hanging out. I I happen to be sitting there eating, and everybody came and. And and join me at the table. It was fun, you know. Hey, man, you know, you're here. You got all these characters and personalities and stuff. You can't ask for any more than that, you know. Maybe the lateness of the hour. Makes me seem blue. But in my heart 
performing Hope She'll Be Happier from the new concert film, Soul Power. You basically full-on retired from music um, 20-some years ago. Why do you think you were so done with it when you were done with it? I'm not done with it, you know. Let me tell you something. You know, um, but I would think that, you know, you know if you wanted to do it... We all live inside ourselves, right? If you got people asking you over and over again, why are you doing this and why are you doing that, you know, most people don't have to go through that. You just go. So people ask you, why are you doing it, where are you going? Just tell them something, you know, to tell them you you chew on that for a while. But, I mean, I've I've written stuff. uh, I had fun writing stuff, Jimmy Buffett stuff. Uh, George Benson has a new record coming out that I wrote the song. Uh, you know, that there's stuff to do. But uh, maybe I may have... I have another option. I'm a songwriter. You know, when I had some kids, I didn't want to be in Philadelphia and my kids are here. So there's this cookie-cutter perception that somebody makes up and you're supposed to fit into it. 
I don't have to do that. I have choices, you know. I can take my own approach. Do you enjoy the performance part of it? Like, I mean, if you were if you were talking about doing a, you know, a show once a month in Los Angeles or something like that, is that something that you think you would you would still get a kick out of? Probably, but it's not a practical thing to do. You know, this stuff, there's a business reality. That it costs money to put people together. To put people together to play one show, it's not profitable. It's not a good business. Plus, if you have the option, you know, I'm a songwriter. I mean, I don't need any equipment. I can do it out of my head. I can write it on a piece of napkin or tissue paper or toilet paper, you know, for that matter. You know, people used to say to you, well, you shouldn't worry about it. You know, let me handle this, and you just go do what I tell you. In whose world? In whose world? You know, I I, I used to have a little poem in my mind. You know, uh, the manager's son goes to Yale, and the blues man's son goes to jail. See? The one thing that kept me away out of this music for, for a lot, you asked me why I started late. You know, my father was this coal miner, but he was always interested in reading, never got a chance to go to school, but he read and he, you know, uh, uh, dignity was very important to him. The first thing that I had to resolve in my life and the one thing that that was very important to me and I had to sort this out can I go into this thing and avoid the minstrelness of it this is a business and you got some cold pimps that will mail you out until you die in your grave you got as many thieves in this stuff as, as so. So there's a life you have to run. And you do the best you can. And hopefully, as a human being, you improve. I'm 70 years old. I mean, I'm not some kind of mindless troubadour. You know, I have an intellect I have to manage. I have some thoughts I have to manage. I have a life I have to maintain. I want to know where my stuff is, you know. I want to know who I am. I don't want to be some simple-minded blues boy. You can bleep this out. Kiss my ass with that shit. So I'm doing the best I can to grow and improve my lineage as a species. So I got some responsibilities that require that I be available. You know, I, I, I never had the benefit of formal education. And I've always wanted to better myself. I can speak the language. I can write it, make it rhyme for you if you want to. You know what I mean? And somebody said, education is the sum total of what you know. That's everything from tying your shoe to whether you can do quadratic equations or not. So I'm not, I'm not saying this should be a template for everybody, but that's just the kind of person that makes sense for me to be. 
hopefully the music that I made, you know, is useful to somebody. I mean, I get letters from people that nice letters that people say, hey, man, my grandmother died and your song helped me. I like that kind of stuff, you know. As a result, it was important to me as best I could to try to wind up with a life that had some stability and some dignity in it. You know, it's like people approach you as if to say, well, 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 my God, Hugh, how come you are not? I'm 70 years old. I made some choices earlier than that that I wanted to be a complete person, not just this entertainer thing, you know. It doesn't fill up my plate. I love it. Who wouldn't like it, you know? It doesn't fill up my plate. It's it's such an honor to have you share this time with us. Thank you so much for thank for you, being man, on the show. and I really appreciate it. And uh, who knows, tomorrow, you know, you might see my name. Well, I'll tell you, you know, what. If you uh, if you get if you get on the on bill somewhere, you got my fifty bucks. walls, all over the place. <laughs> I gotta say, my interest in, in you doing some doing some shows in L.A. is is uh, just because I've worn out the grooves on. Uh, uh, no, I'm flattered. <laughs> I, I'm flattered. I appreciate that. You know, I'm flattered. I appreciate it. You know, I'll do the best I can. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Withers. Thank you. You can find Bill Withers' amazing music at music retailers around the country. The new documentary, Soul Power, opens July 10th in New York and Los Angeles and then in staged release across the country. You can find out more information at sonyclassics.com slash soulpower. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself. Interstitial music provided to us by Dan Wally. The show is edited by Nick White. Our intern is John Kim. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org, and you can always email me your thoughts about the show at jesse at MaximumFun.org. Okay, we'll see you next time right here on the Sound of Young America. <laughs>